Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We would be honored if you would join us. Hey guys, welcome to the Bad Batch Episode 3 Breakdown. Shout out to all of you who were there during the watch party last night. And of course, before we begin, I want you to check me out on Spotify and of course the forums at StarWarsTheory.com. You guys have been really active there and I want you to keep the conversation going. So let me know your theories in different forum posts and threads. So as we begin the episode, we see the progress the crew is making with making Omega one of their own. As we see Hunter explain food rations to Wrecker, as he starts to understand that there's another person here and that she is a part of the team now. Heading through hyperspace, their ship malfunctions, and they end up crash landing on some moon. Now, during this landing, Wrecker hits his head really hard, and he ends up complaining about his headache for the rest of the episode, to which I think activated something to do with his inhibitor chip, and in the end, will make him execute Order 66 as well, and turn on his brothers which would be really sad to see as he's the most likable and childlike of them all. They reminisce over Crosshair's weapons kit as they figure out what to do on the planet, how to repair the ship, and they all kind of miss him. They explain that his inhibitor chip is what is making him crazy and different. He is essentially being mind controlled. I think the quick change of subject leaves this topic open for later times to be developed entirely, where the boys might try to save him. This also cements the fact that he's really not acting himself, and it's not really his fault. This shows compassion from Omega's character, as she's always the voice of reason, and instead of just, you know, getting mad and fueling the fire. As Crosshair gets out of his scan, Tarkin acknowledges that the procedure is working on him. They're ramping up his chip's power basically to counter the power of his mutated brain. Welcoming Rampart, Tarkin congratulates him on his new chain code implementation. Now this is what they talked about in the last episode, Bad Batch Episode 2, where the Empire was assigning tracking signals to every person and commercial ship in the galaxy. This was to keep tabs on literally everybody in the Galactic Empire, under the Galactic Empire's rule, which is everybody. Now fast forward According to the Mandalorian, there were ships that were pre-Empire, like the Razorcrest, that didn't have transponders and couldn't be tracked. And this is of course why Mando and Grogu were you know, shot down and followed by the New Republic. Tarkin and Rampart take Crosshair to his new squad of human recruits. Elite squad. Their plan is to have recruits trained by clones. Now these are just elite trained troops, the first phase of stormtroopers, I guess we could say, as there are the first recruits the Empire has shown us, other than clones, now mixing them together. They talk about replacing clones with conscripted troops, to which Nalase looks pretty sad. Now there's something huge that gets dropped later at the end of this episode, and I can't wait to talk about it, so stay tuned. As Wrecker walks around grabbing his throbbing head in pain, Hunter asks, what's wrong with you? And he clutches the same spot of his head where the inhibitor chip is, and says he must have hit his head during the crash. Now for Wrecker who gets shot with blaster fire and pretty much is bulletproof, a bump to the head, constantly hurting, especially with his fast healing, I assume, is something that doesn't really make sense. So there's more to this, I believe. 
Order 66, I think, is happening to him, slowly and gradually. It's now begun, and he's about to be taken over and turn just like Crosshair did. It's heartbreaking. On the ship, they find out that a beast is damaging them, an Ordo Moon Dragon that feeds on batteries and electrical energy. So Hunter and Omega head out. The elite squad are examined by a droid, and we get a glimpse of their view of things. They say the Empire did more for them than the Republic, giving them a job, money, and a roof over their heads. It's always very interesting to see the point of view of the other side, as everybody has a point of view. Rampart, Tarkin, and Lama Su, the Prime Minister of Kamino, talk about conscripted recruits not being as efficient as clones who have been taught since birth. Now, Lama Su is the same guy that was speaking to Obi-Wan Kenobi in Episode 2 on Kamino. Rampart says that enlisted troops who willingly join the army will be more worthy than clones, as skills can be taught. And this is a very interesting theory in itself, because you could say that those who do enlist in the army of the Empire are there to do their duty. They obviously have a need to be there, whether it's for money or a place of belonging or to serve their empire. And his argument is that clones were just born into it and kind of brainwashed and they may be autonomous in the end, which some of them were. So Tarkin orders Crosshair and the elite squad to Onderon to kill Saw Gerrera and his camp, where the Bad Batch failed. Prime Minister Lamassu is angered as Kamino's entire livelihood depends on their contract to make new clones for the Empire, to which they're getting desperate and they will start something new, which I'm about to explain very soon once we get to that scene. Tracking the Ordo Moon Dragon, Omega tells Hunter that it's not Crosshair's fault, he's just under the control of the chip. Hunter explains that each one of them have an enhanced skill, like a mutant from X-Men basically. They have abilities unique to only them, which I love the concept of that because it just shows that for clones that are so similar to one another, literally clones, they're each so unique and different. On the way to Onderon, one of the members of the elite squad make fun of Crosshair and tell him that clones are a thing of the past, that human recruits are the future. This angers Crosshair and builds tension for what is about to happen, which was so dark to see. As Hunter passes out, Omega takes it upon herself to finish the mission. She grabs his blaster and heads into the cave. This shows us more so that she is truly part of the crew. Her courage and heroism continues to develop as she's put in difficult situations that push for her to grow or the opposite to recede. And it also shows that she's willing to put her life on the line for her new family. Crosshair and his crew of recruits engage war upon Saw's people. They apprehend them callously, and we see one of the darkest moments in animated Star Wars history, if not one of in Star Wars in general. Crosshair executes the female in charge when she fails to tell him where Saw is, and he moves to murder the remaining civilians, to which the human recruit denies orders to be executioners. The elite squad disobey his orders, which is when Crosshair tells him that this is precisely why clones are superior to recruits, because they get the job done. Good soldiers follow orders, as he executes his teammate who defied him in the ship on the way there. Crosshair is not only a madman, but he shows the truth that is the clone army, that they did indeed get the job done, regardless what the job was. And this is why they were so superior to just regular recruits. Not to mention, they were physically elite and they came from the best template there was for being a soldier, Jango Fett. Crosshair solidifies his position as the leader and most ruthless, ordering his squad to finish orders. They are incinerated and shot, just another Disney Plus moment. 
If you listen to the music, we are reminded of season seven of The Clone Wars, last four episodes, that very dark, ominous tone. I loved it. Omega finds what she needs and the Ordo Moon Dragon roars at her until it calms down and she realizes it needs energy. So she tosses her flashlight like a doggy toy and distracts it with its form of food as it lights up. She meets up with Hunter and completes the mission. Crosshair heads back to Kamino and Tarkin and Rampart sees that the squad is one trooper short and Tarkin realizes that for now, the clone operation will continue as the Empire is not quite ready to switch to recruits, to which Rampart is in charge of getting the stormtroopers fully and properly trained so that the Empire can finally terminate their contract with Kamino to keep making clones, which is too expensive and a thing of the past, he says. So this is where it gets good, alright? This is where the bulk of the episode is for me. Lamasu, the Prime Minister of Kamino, talks about continuing the next phase, that the next experiment is imperative for their success, to solidify their continued support for the Empire, that their survival hinges on this. They mention that the Jango Fett template continues to fade. This tells us that Jango's DNA isn't really effective anymore. It's like a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy, and we all know what happens with that. And the clone army will not be nearly as good and efficient as it once was, and they know this, so they're getting desperate. Now, they're moving on to phase three clone troopers, or just phase three in general. This project is the most intriguing thing of the episode for me. They speak of creating a superior clone and that they need a direct source for this. Now, I think this direct source is a force sensitive being or they're going to try to clone one of the Bad Batch, essentially making a clone army of the Bad Batch of all sorts of different mutations. Now. If they make them with force sensitivity, then I mean, it's game over. So I think it could be anything from a force sensitive Bad Batch mutated clone to creating Starkiller. That's right, I said it, and all of you in chat were saying it too. This would be the time to make it happen. Now they would have to tweak the legend story quite a bit, but to make a being in the force as a clone is essentially Starkiller. So, I mean, it may not be Galen Merrick's clone if they don't want to make that canon, which I wish they would. If you don't know who Galen Merrick is, I'll briefly, briefly explain. And if you have time, please go play the Force Unleashed games starring Sam Witwer, who also is Darth Maul's voice. Now, Galen Merrick was a boy whose father was killed by Vader. He was essentially adopted by Vader and then to be trained in secret. He died in the first game and was later cloned, which took hundreds if not thousands of tries until it was done right, because cloning a Force-sensitive being, especially as powerful as Starkiller, was next to impossible. They're clearly connecting something with the Mandalorian, I think, or something to do with Palpatine wanting to clone himself, as this was done in Legends and in canon in the sequel trilogy. So they're really gunning for the whole cloning thing. Palpatine could have had a powerful clone that might have gone rogue that Vader would have had to kill because he couldn't be controlled and turn to the dark side, which would be an interesting storyline. Now, we could also go one step further and say, what if they create a Palpatine clone that Luke has to end up fighting in The Mandalorian or some spin-off show of his own later in the future? And this is the beginning stage of that. That would be really interesting too. Crosshair enters his quarters as his new squad lay in the very beds of his brothers. You can see the conflict within as he misses them and most likely questions his choices. Now I think Crosshair will turn back to the way he was, but by then it'll be too late and he'll probably have to sacrifice himself for his brothers and this will be his redemption, as maybe the other clones have already turned at that point as well. It seems like their inhibitor chips are sort of starting to pick up now in order. 
I think there is lots of good in Crosshair, and I think he's very conflicted, and he'll eventually override his chip with time, where his mutation will keep mutating and maybe overcome the mind control. Possibly. And maybe in the end, Vader will have to kill all of them. Who knows? Wrecker shows Omega her new room on the ship, and this solidifies her part on the squad. It was a very sweet and cute moment. End of the episode. Now, if you ask me, I'm really into this episode, and, and sometimes, look, you get action, sometimes you get filler, or as I like to call it, character development, and sometimes you get deep story development with none of the other stuff all that much. And other times you get all of that packed in one, which is great. But tonight's episode, I feel like, was the latter. It was the story development type, which kind of goes hand in hand with character development. Deep story development was unraveled, and we got to learn about so much. The main thing I took away was the secret operation that the Kaminoans are desperate to have successful phase three could they just want to clone the bad batch or do you think there's more to this could they clone a jedi perhaps the one that just died that we saw in episode one master cyphodius's body may still be preserved but they may have samples of it to use for cloning tissue that's force sensitive a force wielding clone will be more powerful than beyond measure it'll be the next level for them and it'll solidify their place with the empire what I can say is that they obviously don't go out of business with the Empire, and even after Palpatine's death, as they're still being used. And the entire cloning thing is prevalent in the prequels up until the sequels, so clearly they are being used in some manner. Only what manner, and if it's Kamino or their facility or not, I guess we'll have to find out. Tons of theories, but I want you to let me know your theories down below in the comments. At least we can say that the Kamino badge is obviously evident on Dr. Pershing's uniform in The Mandalorian, so Kamino is still very much either alive or their methods are being used or their lab is being used or something. Who knows? I can't wait to see more of it. I'm wondering if Lama Sue is still alive during The Mandalorian. That's something I've constantly wondered. You know, why is Dr. Pershing a human? Don't they usually have their own working on this kind of stuff, you know? But hey, I guess we'll wait and see and I can't wait to have it all explained to us. Hope you enjoyed this breakdown. Please leave a like if you did. Check me out in the next video and of course on Spotify and the website at StarWarsTheory.com. Keep the conversation going. Join the forums. There are thousands of active members on there. Have a great rest of your day and may the Force be with you always.